Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hour number two, Jones and Mega with Arcan here on WEEI. We promised Gerard Mayo live at the podium in Foxborough. Uh, he's talking right now. Let's hear from him. Guys, in a while, I think it was in January, is really the last time I got a chance to to uh, speak with you guys. I appreciate, first of all, you guys coming down. I know there are a lot of uh, unknowns right now, whether we're talking about the draft or free agency, but today is really about uh, the new coaches. And, you know, we'll have our coordinators up here to kind of speak to you guys. And uh, I don't know if Stacy told you guys, but afterwards, the rest of our new coaches, I think we have 17 new coaches, uh, they will come down and, and hopefully we get a chance to to really vibe and connect. Um, they know that, you know, our relationship with the media is very important. Stacy and Aaron have done a good job explaining it to those guys. But at the same time, I think there needs to be uh, a good relationship between the two groups. And, and hopefully, uh, I, look, I'll try to make myself available as much as possible. Um, but at the same time, today is really just about uh, the new coaches and the coordinators. Yeah, the process, uh, it was definitely a learning experience. Uh, I've interviewed people in the past before for other jobs, uh, but this one was a little bit different, but it was, it was exciting. And I felt like I learned a lot. I learned a lot uh, from the coaches that came in and interviewed that didn't get hired. Uh, hopefully they had a, a good uh, sense of what we're trying to build here. Um, but it was, it was good. It was good this job now for a month, month and a half. What's been the biggest surprise for you so far? The biggest surprise for me really has been the lack of true football tape I've had an opportunity to watch right now. Um, as a head coach, it's kind of uh, a little bit different. Right now we're trying to continue to you know, nail down the rest of the staff and also uh, get into some of the things we want to do in the near future. You mentioned learning new things from the coaches you didn't hire. What were a couple of those things? Uh, I mean, I don't want to get into X's and O's, honestly, not today. Um, but it was it was mainly about X's and O's and how those guys uh, their leadership philosophies and and things like that. It wasn't it wasn't anything like groundbreaking, but at the same time, there were little nuggets that I took away. Oh, it was very important. It was very important for me to to have someone that I can bounce questions off of. That's actually sat in that seat. Uh, I, it's been great, and honestly, I, I have relationships with uh, coaches around the league as well that have offered to help. You know, they're not in the AFC, so that's uh, <laughs> that's a good thing. Gerard, uh, you interviewed several candidates for offensive coordinator. What did you like about Van Pelt and I guess Ben McAdoo as well? 
Yeah, you know, you know, AVP, I'm not exactly sure, and I, I don't want to get into what happened at Cleveland, but all the people that I talked to, um, they speak very highly of AVP. Uh, obviously, he understands the X's and O's of the game, but also uh, developing talent. And, and really, he is a relationship guy, which I fundamentally believe is very important. Uh, before you really get into X's and O's with the guys on the field, they got to know that you care about them. And one thing about AVP, which you guys will see here shortly, uh, he is a people person, but also with an extensive knowledge of football. Tried to go off of that. That offensive coordinator search, at least from afar, seemed to wide-ranging. Um, a number of different people interviewed. Why was it important to cast such a wide net for that job? Yeah, this is my first time doing it. Um, so you want to make sure that you have uh, a bar set and then work off of that bar. I feel very, I feel very good about where our staff is. Uh, once again, look, there will be I mean, one-offs here and there, but uh, it, it was very important just to talk to as many people as we could so we can get a good feel uh, for who we wanted to hire. Obviously, you come from the defensive side and you've schemed against you know, all the best modern offenses. Did you go into this thinking like, oh, I went against this offense. I'd like to go. I'd like to hire somebody from that tree, or you know, how did it work for you? Uh, a little bit, I, you know. Realistically, on I'm not going to talk too much about football, but realistically, on early downs, you're only going to get, you know, so many schemes. It's really the third down stuff that you really see coaches start to start to shine. It, it, it was important. Um, you know, anytime we played Cleveland or teams that it was at the top of my mind, uh, when we played teams like that, you always wonder, like, what are they thinking? And also, what are they thinking about us defensively? And so I feel like we've cast, you know, the net that we've casted, uh, I will definitely learn a lot from these guys as well as we uh, as we prepare for the opponents going forward. What about what it was like bringing down their back? Uh, uh, look, Hightower, you know, he was my little brother when he got here. Uh, one of the smartest players that I've been around. And we've been talking about this for a while, I'll be honest with you. We've been talking about it for a while. Hightower has always really wanted to coach. He was a coach on the field. Obviously, he took the torch and kind of ran with it as far as the championships and, and the leadership skills that he has. Uh, it, it was very important, but it wasn't like a, you know, yesterday, hey, man, you know, you want to be my linebacker coach? This was a this was a extensive search. What kind, process. Advice, what kind of advice do you have for him who is kind of entering coaching in similar situations? Yeah, just to be a sponge, the same way he was when he came in as a player. Just try to learn from as many people as possible. Uh, when I got here, I could talk, talk about my journey. Uh, you know, you have a guy like Demarcus Covington who really started off on offense, moved over to defense quality control. Then all of a sudden he's coaching the linebackers without the linebacker tag. Then he's going to the front. But he had an extensive knowledge uh, of, of different position groups. And also, I would say he really helped me with the behind-the-scenes stuff, right, the drawing of the cards and, you know, setting up practice and things like that. Steve helped me as well. Uh, I spent a lot of time with D.C. and confident in what he's, what he's taught me. So for Hightower, he should do the same thing. You mentioned the number of new coaches coupled with the ones that are coming back. It seems like a fairly large staff. What makes you think that this number is the best yeah, you know, one thing we, we wanted to make sure of is that we weren't duplicating roles. And so for, for us, we were thinking about what value what value does this role uh, bring to the team? Now, for, historically, we've always had small staffs. And, I mean, it's hard to get things done that way in today's NFL. We weren't really thinking about, you know, the size. We weren't thinking – we were just thinking about how can we make this staff as good as it can be. Now, look, honestly, uh, after talking to a lot of coaches, your first year coaching – like, you hope you put together the best staff, but realistically, I mean, it's a process.
How much did you rely on Elliot Wolf, Gerard? How much did you rely on Elliot Wolf to help you fill out the staff? Yeah, Elliot, uh, he's been great. He was in all the interviews. Um, he definitely has a lot of contacts and resources outside of the building. When you, when, you know, from my perspective, all of my football has really been here. So it was very important for me to bring in, you know, the AVP, the McAdoo's, Elliot. You know, Elliot grew up in the scouting world. Uh, he's been at multiple places. It was very, it was very important to get their point of view uh, as well. Anticipate making any more additions to the coaching staff at this point? Um, I would say it's still a process. We're still working through it. There are some roles that we're thinking about, but at the same time, uh, this is, I mean, we're pretty set. We're pretty set. AVP you as your offensive coordinator, what are you expecting out of your offense on the field? Yeah, I'm, ex I'm expecting, you know, first and foremost, a tough team. Uh, a tough team, and I think after that it really gets into uh, smart players. But you don't have to be a genius, but you have to be smart enough and really uh, explosive players and guys that really play for one another. Um, we want to check our egos. Oh, hold on. We, <laughs> we, you know, this is, you know, even from a coaching staff, you know, I say it's an ego-free zone. And once we get the coaches on that same page, you hope that the players will, will follow suit and go out there and play for one another. A month ago, you this day wasn't here, and now all of a sudden it is. So how are you feeling about that, that you're a month later now and you're almost got your final coaching staff and you're ready to move on? Yeah, I mean, it feels great. It feels great. And, and like I said, I'm very happy with the coaching staff that we have. You know, after this, you'll get a chance to uh, meet the coordinators, obviously, but also our position coaches will play a major uh, part in this team's success. Are you able to say whether Troy Brown is still on the staff? And if so, in what role? Yeah, Troy Brown is still on the staff. And, and once again, I would say uh, the staff is still pretty fluid, but he, uh, he is on the staff. What relationship would you like to have prior to you ascending to the chair? Yeah, yeah so once Elliot got here, we, I mean, we hit it off the first time we really met. He's one of those guys. He's an ego-free guy. He just wants to win football games, and that's what, that's what I live by as well. And um, he's been a great partner in this. Here, here. Absolutely, absolutely. From a team-wide perspective all the way down to the individual players, uh, our philosophy matches. We want to put good football players out there that are that are fast and smart and really play for one another. He sees it the same way. What role is uh, Robin Glazer? What duties is she performing for you? She was in on at least some of the interviews. But yeah, you know, honestly, like at this point in time, I just kind of want to focus on the coaches. Um, look, we'll have other opportunities to really talk about some of the things and some of the roles as it starts to really set into place. But right now, I'm focused on the coordinators, and I think we should focus on the coordinators and the assistant coaches. What attracted you to working with Demarcus Covington as a defensive coordinator? Yeah, you know, like I said, when I first got here, he showed me a lot of the behind the scenes. And so it was a it was a mentorship uh, or a reverse mentorship, however you want to look at it. I did it on the field, uh, but he also knew how to do, you know, the back end stuff. Look, this is one of those guys as well. You know, I've already talked about this being a relationship business where he has a great relationship with the players, you know, mind, body and spirit. He always talks about those things. And you can see from the development of the players in his room, uh, he was ready for the job. Rod, uh, in recent years, more and more coaching staffs haven't been showing up to the NFL Combine, uh, which is going on next week. Do you envision being there? And because you guys have the number three pick, is this an important one for you? Yeah, we're, st we're still working through that stuff. Um, look, we'll, we'll talk about it after this, after this mic is out my face. But uh, at the end of the day, look, we'll have great representation there. And I have nothing but uh, the ultimate faith in Elliott and his staff as well, and also our coaches that are evaluating players both in free agency and the draft. Hey, Gerard, what did you like about his? Thank you.
Yeah, you know, the, the one thing I would say about AVP is he can make the same concept look a bunch of different ways, and that's always hard for uh, for us on the defensive side of the ball. And, and really, like, it depends on the players that we have and the, the flexibility that he has as far as scheme is concerned. Um, he's been cross-trained, uh, you know, multiple teams, and I think that experience and that uh, that philosophy is going to do us well in the future. Jerron, you have... I got to get Karen real quick. Did you feel uh, limited at all because of your lack of contacts, and is that kind of where Elliot came in and made up? made up for that in terms of filling out the staff? You, you know what I would say is, you know, we all have strengths and weaknesses and we're trying to continue to sharpen our swords uh, through people and through their experiences and at the same time shore up weaknesses or areas to improve. Uh, look, I, I'm not going to sit up here and act like I have all the answers because I don't. And Elliot's one of those guys I'm going to lean on and McAdoo's one of those guys I'm going to lean on. Uh, AVP, all those guys are, are guys that I feel like I can lean on and learn a lot, as well as ownership, right? As well as ownership, uh, they've been uh, very supportive of what we've done. Filling out the offensive staff under Alex, did he make recommendations or did he have power over that hiring process? Yeah, I think one important thing is uh, for offensive coordinators is really to have the ability to have major input in hiring their own staff. Um, you want guy, you don't want to have to teach your coaches as well as now these guys are going to teach. You want them to have a fundamental understanding of your scheme. But in saying that, I would say it was a combination between, you know, Elliot, myself, Grow, uh, and AVP to really uh, nail the staff down. Good. All right. Thanks, guys. I'll see you in, what, an hour? Okay, so that's Gerard Mayo. What, what's he doing in an hour? I think they may be having some get-together after all the coaches speak, like a kind of casual meet and greet with... What does that mean? I'm telling yeah, you. Happy, happy hour. Like a cocktail hour? Exactly. That's what I, I was going to say. That, I don't think that there's like alcohol involved, but I think it's it's a little bit of elbow, rubbing elbows with the beat writers. Okay, so like... Ski. Okay, so like... Yeah, what, yeah exactly. <laughs> or mob wives. What was this? Like, what? I feel like he didn't answer anything. I feel like he didn't answer a thing, right? What answer were you looking for? I don't know. He gets asked if he's going to the combine. He's like, I don't know. We got to talk about that the second we get off the podium. But we'll have representation there for sure. Like, yeah, yeah right. I would think Robin so. Glazer. He gets asked a direct question. I don't want to talk about that right now. Like, oh, I well, we're here to talk about the coordinators. Like, I don't know. Like, he got asked direct questions, and he's like, I don't want to talk about that. Karen had a good question about, you know, the, the your lack of contacts, basically what has become of this staff. I, did you lean on Elliot Wolf? He's like, well, we got a lot of shorts, uh, swords to sharpen. I think there were tons of good questions. Uh, he didn't answer anything. So I have two takeaways. He said takeaways. what he liked about certain coordinators. Yeah, kind of. I have two takeaways, but I know we have to trend. Okay, this was this was about what he just, this is about the stupid cocktail hour. This is about good relationships and being available as much as possible is what he just said. This is about winning over the fan base or winning over the media because it's bad. That's what if he, he didn't answer a thing. He answer anything. He just got up there and he didn't snort in anybody's face and he was more likable than Bill, but there was no substance there. A couple None. of shots at Bill, I thought. A couple yeah. shots at Bill? A couple shots yeah. at Bill. Okay, let's get into it. I mean, the I, I think I know one of them. You say a couple. The, the I heard si- at least two. The size of the coaching staff was definitely one. It was a bit of a measuring contest there. Uh, let's get to our thoughts on it. You can jump in. What'd you think of Gerard Mayo? Any answers? You feel better about the coaching staff? 617-779-7937. Arkham with all the latest and trending, and we're right back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. 
Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now, more of Jones and Mego on WEEI. Iggy, as your offensive coordinator, what are you expecting out of your offensive field? Yeah, I'm, ex- I'm expecting, you know, first and foremost, a tough team. Uh, a tough team, and I think after that it really gets into uh, smart players. But you don't have to be a genius, but you have to be smart enough and really uh, explosive players and guys that really play for one another. Um, we want to check our egos. Oh, hold on. We, <laughs> we, you know, this is, you know, even from a coaching staff, uh, you know, I say it's an ego-free zone. And once we get the coaches on that same page, you hope that the players will, will follow suit and go out there and play for one another. Drop it, Buster. Strud Mayo, just moments ago down in Foxborough. Uh, other coordinators are either talking right now. Demarcus Covington basically said he's going to call the plays on defense. Uh, we'll hear from Alex Van Pelt later on in the hour. But some interesting stuff from Gerard Mayo. Really more so, I would say, in what he didn't answer. Although that would be one of the digs at Bill Belichick. An ego-free, not just team, but coaching staff, Mego. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like if you've been following the reporting on the Patriots that comes out, certainly from Andrew Callahan at the end of every season at this point, it sounds like there's a lot of ego clashing. Uh, I think there were a couple things that, were, that Gerard Mayo said there that were... I don't think intentional digs, but accidentally stepped into it if he was trying to avoid any um, any bad-mouthing Bill or the way that Bill did things. Look, I think generally what he's, you're right about what he's trying to do here. He's trying to demonstrate a new era of relationship between the coaching staff and the media down there, that he's going to be available, he's going to be seemingly open at least publicly he's gonna outwardly facing he's gonna be available Brian just said in my ear on time I mean that was that was right at three o'clock I mean right. that was prompt that wasn't Bill Belichick walking in he's not gonna snort his, at you he's not gonna cut off hoodie 15 minutes he's late. not gonna rip your head off in front of everybody or glare at you like he's not gonna do that he's gonna laugh and you know move it along even if it's a question he's not gonna answer at the same time, I do think like it, his whole message seems to be it's it's going to be different around here, and I don't know how you get that message across without kind of you know sticking it to Bill. Yeah, I just say I'd add you want it to be an ego free zone. If that's just a shot at Bill, fine. Bill had an ego. Gerard Mayo doesn't have an ego. Of course he does. Well, and it sounds to me like it was a problem last year. It sounds to me like Are you talking you, about the miniature baseball bat. No, I'm talking about factions and him carrying himself a certain way and him starting to rub people the wrong way down there. Even if they were bill people, I think he made it clear. He knew he was the coach in waiting when he answered the high tower thing. And there were clues about this a year ago. He's like, Oh yeah. You know, I told Dante high tower to be a part of my staff or whatever. And we've been working on this for a long time. Just stuff like that. I, I think he carried himself like he was the head coach in waiting. I think that rubbed people the wrong way. So I would just make sure Gerard Mayo 
is taking his own advice that he doesn't have a giant ego because it sounds to me like he had an ego last year and that was part of the problem. One other thing that I took away from this is that Gerard Mayo feels secure in this job because how about that comment that he made about, hey, you want to get your coaching staff perfect right away, but I know it's going to be a process. Or he says in the first season, I know it's going to be a process. That's like That indicates to me that at least at this point, and previously, ownership has said, there's a little runway here. We know it's going to be a rebuild. Like, you got a little time. Yeah, I I kind of took that as, we know we didn't get everybody we wanted well, this Well, that too. I mean, that's kind of how I took that one. And I get what you're saying. Maybe that is, he feels secure. That might go back to the ego we were just discussing. But I took that as, yeah, I know we're sitting here saying we're really happy with McAdoo and Van Pelt, but we're really not. I mean, that was kind of how I took that. Arkan, you thought there were more shots at Bill beyond just the uh, well, yeah, you guys the lack of kinda, ego. Kind of got to him. The ego thing. Uh, can't have a small coaching room anymore. You I know, you can't that do that in the one. NFL. That anymore. was a shot at Bill. For I sure. thought that was a hundred percent. I mean, and he's right. It's there's not many uh, teams that are like that, and I think that's why Bill had a tough time on the job market is because there's not a lot of teams that are interested in that. It's not the way the NFL is going. This was a unique situation with Bill sort of pulling all the strings, and Mayo knows you can't do that anymore. I also thought the ego-free thing, like. If you, if you look at it, Gerard Mayo was the linebackers coach for several years. He was the de facto defensive coordinator. Bill wouldn't give him the job. He wouldn't give uh, Brian uh, Flores the job title either. Uh, he was competing with the boss's kid. You know, like the ego thing, I think, was more of a shot than maybe just, uh, you know, we're all trying to be humble here. It was sort of like, you know, we all we all were under this guy's thumb for a long time. I was under his thumb for a long time. His ego was a big, you know, issue. It was a thing that came up a lot. And it may ultimately be what, you know, dropped us into this 4-13 and 13 mess that we're in right now. I think that that was more of a shot maybe than you guys do and in the very beginning when he was like yeah you know we have a different standard with the media now that's not a big shot at bill but it definitely is you know we're doing it i don't think that was a shot i think that was hey guys like there's a reason to come down here and pay attention and we're gonna be nice to you that was like sucking up to the media i don't think that was a shot at bill in any way and i think the media by the way is eating it up i think they ate it up at his first press conference I, i said this the second the press conference was done i'm like he didn't say anything people just liked it because he was nice and he was engaging which is better than Bill is with the media. Like, there's something to be said for that. But okay, fine, I get it. He's nicer than Bill. That's not hard to do. Then what? Uh, He's nicer than Bill. He answers all the questions. Got it. Well, he doesn't answer the questions. He gives you words. Fine, because he really didn't. You're right. Answered Uh, a question. One more thing that you thought was a shot before we get into a few of the non-answers, Mego. Um, You thought the uh, the line there at the end, I think it was the final question, about offensive coordinator, uh, they should have major input in hiring their own staff. You thought that was a shot as well? I absolutely do, if you believe the reporting from the Herald and that some others have, which was um, that Bill O'Brien came in and was essentially given the talent and given the coaching staff, and all he got to do was bring in a tight ends coach. He didn't have any say over who was on his staff, and it seems like that... Bill O'Brien, probably, or someone from his camp, pointed to that as a major problem. And so Gerard Mayo saying, I think it's really important to have Alex Van Pelt here and be part of hiring the re- out the rest of the offensive staff. Yeah, I think that's a way of him saying, hey, you know what? We recognize that as something that wasn't working last season. And so we're putting it a little bit in Alex Van Pelt's hands. It's not just Elliot Wolf out there who's hiring everybody. Yeah, although he did... He did give a lot of credit to Wolf, and and there were a lot of questions. Well, he was about, asked about it a lot. There were a lot of questions about Elliot Wolf, and uh, you know he even said, I think it was Karen who asked him at one point, Gregian, that you know, hey, I'm not going to pretend like I have all the answers. I don't, which is why I lean on Elliot Wolf. He did mention Matt Groh at one point. I think I only heard Matt Groh's name once, 
So it's pretty clear, like, who the personnel person is down there. He mentioned that Gro sat in on meetings. Uh, so there's a little bit of information. I'm sure uh, Wolf, rather, sat in on meetings. So there was a little bit of information there. But largely, I thought it was a lot of non-answers uh, to stuff that I, I wanted to know the answer to. Like, Troy Brown, what do we make of this answer? He said he's still on staff, but it's pretty fluid. He's still on the staff. What does that mean? I don't know. He's still getting paid, but we don't know how long I, he's going to be here. I have a guess. What? I, I think, and this goes back to something that Curran told us a couple weeks ago, and I just I can't shake the words that he used, where the Crafts aren't necessarily looking for all this change at once. I think Robert Kraft wants Troy Brown in the building. I think Gerard's like, well, you know, if I have something for you, great, but I am assembling my own staff and my own vision, and Troy, you're not a part of it. So yeah. hang out if you want to hang out. Because I don't think it's a, we don't want to pay him to not work for us, right? Like his contract was up. Right. I thought was the reporting, right? Wasn't he up? I thought so. That's what I thought. So, I mean, maybe he's still under contract. And they're just like, well, if we're paying him, he's showing up. Uh, Because nobody else in the league wants him. Or maybe they're just worried about the PR hit they would take by moving on from a a fan favorite. Um, And maybe it's that. Maybe it's just Robert needs his guys in the building, too. And this is an example, Arcand, of ownership and having their tentacles in football. Yeah, I guess. I mean, if you really need him in the building that bad, maybe give him a role like you gave Andre Tippett a role or something. You know, like it doesn't have to be on the coaching staff, especially. But then you don't get any info. Then you're just then you're just walking around shaking season ticket holders hands. If he wants that what Robin Glazer's for. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I think so. Yes. And we'll get to her. Uh, So I didn't get a good answer on that. I hated the combine answer. We're still working through whether or not we're going to the Combine? When does that start? He's not going. When does that start? Uh, The Combine. Next week. It starts Monday. What the hell? The 26th. Quarterbacks go Friday. We're still working through it. We're going to talk about it after? Like, what? Are you going or are you not going? I mean, to me, that was a no, we're not going. I'm going. You say, yes, I'm going. Right. So I I, I agree, but just, like, can you answer that question? What the hell? And then the the Robin Glazer one. Yeah, guys, I'm going to focus on the coaches. We'll have other opportunities to talk. So now we know Robin Glazer is not a coach. Okay, but why wouldn't you just answer that? He's, I'm sure he was told, like, advised, just don't talk about it. People right. are trying to make this Glazer thing into a thing. Just don't talk about it. Okay, so why? why? If it is, If it isn't a thing, well, then just be like, yeah, but just answer it. Just be truthful. If it isn't a thing, if it's a thing, then your bosses say don't talk about it. I would guess because her role is like nebulous and hard to define. And if he starts talking about it, then he's going to step in it. I I, I genuinely think that that's what it is. It shouldn't be a hard role to define if it's minor. I don't think it's a minor role. I don't think so either. I just don't think it's involved in personnel on the team. Okay. We have some answers as to what it is involved with. Uh, Arkan sent this from the New York Post. You can jump in with your thoughts on Gerard Mayo. you know, I, uh, did he feel truthful? Did he feel, um, you know, like somebody who was going to to give you a good view of what was going on with the team compared to Bill? Uh, you can jump in on that, uh, along with some of his answers there. Not much on Alex Van Pelt or Ben McAdoo or really anything of substance uh, outside of a few stray shots at Bill. You can jump in again, 617-779-7937. Uh, sent this from the New York Post. Uh, Robin Glazer quite literally picked up the pieces for the reeling Patriots after Spygate. The most jarring scene in the next two episodes, we're going to get to Spygate, I think it's episode four, which uh, they come out late Thursday night, early Friday morning on Apple TV, is a reenactment of, she's reenacting, a reenactment of Robin Glazer, who was hired by Patriots owner Robert Kraft to be a liaison to the league, walking down a hallway of the team facility with a hammer in her hand. Now, is this going to be like an unsolved mystery? That's what it sounds where like. Where it's like just the, from behind, you see the silhouette of someone swinging a hammer. Isn't that what it sounds like? 
kind of. I mean, am I, it says it's a reenactment. So, like, somebody's reenacting it. She's Maybe it's her. like a baseball bat in the ground <laughs> behind her. <laughs> Blood on the, on the floor. It's, it's a callback to 2007 when she met NFL security to smash the illegal videotapes made by a Patriots employee with a camera focused on the Jets' sideline of films co- uh, uh, of, uh, to film coaches' hand signals, rather, during the season opening game in East Rutherford. Quote from Robin Glazer. I remember walking down the hallway and asking someone for a hammer, she said. And they took the hammer to the tapes. I'm on my hands and knees in a dress and high heels, picking up the tapes and throwing them away. And I remember thinking to myself, all the news cycles, all the commentary, this is done. It's over. We've been fined. This is over. And that is not at all what happened. Which I'll say. Who in the office has a hammer? (laughs) <laughs> on hand like that like oh yeah here's my here's a hammer Man, for you, you know, facilities like, like i'm sure i'm sure I they can find it in the stadium always yeah. working on something in the stadium yeah, i mean that i don't find I got, that yeah, to be it is constructive you know i mean i don't sure. think she went to like robert Kraft's desk and, and you know opened the drawer but bears pops out with the hammer. <laughs> like, <here you> go. <laughs> but like she she's literally picking up the pieces of the videotapes and she's providing the hammer to smash the tapes it doesn't directly say unless i'm missing it she's the one uh smashing down with the hammer she says they took a hammer to right sorry, they took a hammer to the tapes <laughs> but like i don't know i just there's, there's i'm on my hands and knees there's something about her role that keeps coming up where mego just keeps trying to dismiss it and it's not a it's not a significant role and it's like she's literally there picking up the pieces to spygate and thinking it's over and done with and she's right from that point forward she is a bigger and bigger part We're of the organization. We're talking about two different things. I say that she doesn't have a significant role when it comes to personnel talent on the team. I genuinely don't think that yeah, she does. In 2007, she didn't. Does she now? I is don't she think, going to? I don't think she will. Well, I know you say you don't think she Coaching will. Coaching staff, though? I mean, she's sitting in on interviews. She's there though. in the interviews. That's That means she has a role. I think she's there as, like, the whatever, again, nebulous compliance thing that she does. Well, then, that's what Gerard Mayo should have said. That's what he should have answered today. She's compliance lady? Yeah. He, you know, uh, she sat in on some meetings and, you know, she helped us with whatever she helped. I, mean, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, I think she's part of the hiring process. But he's like, ixnay on the Azer Glaze. So, like, I think the reason he didn't First answer. First rule of Robin Glazer is you don't talk about Robin Glazer. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, her, she just keeps coming up. And, like, she's I don't in know. In the background, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, over and over again. I never knew this lady's name until a month ago. And now she keeps coming up. Uh, also, apparently, in this upcoming episode, Kraft candidly admits he pleaded with NFL lawyers not to suspend Belichick to protect his reputation, agreeing to eventual penalties of half a million dollars, uh, which was the fine for Belichick, and a $250,000 fine, along with the loss of a first-round pick for the organization. Was that a good thing in retrospect? <laughs> like, shouldn't they, shouldn't they have just suspended Bill? Like, Probably, yeah. Oh, and, and maybe you could have held on to your draft pick, but whatever. I mean, they ended up being uh, a win for a while after Spygate. By the way, Kraft. What a guy. <laughs> oh, wow. Really, really having your guys back there, huh, Bill? <laughs> it's not, that's worth stabbing him in the back and then throwing him down the garbage chute on the way out, too. You know, because you were really, well, you Kraft, really tried to protect his reputation. But, back Kraft had, but Kraft had his back there. You don't, you don't think Kraft had his back there? He did, but the fact that he's talking about it now in the midst of, you know, shoving him out the door, I just think is kind of ironic. Oh, yeah. No, the Kraft interview is, is making today. it The way like, he's talking about yeah. it today, you know, it's like, oh, I, did, I did bent over backwards trying to protect Bill Belichick. I was really the savior. I was really trying to do all this. It just goes more to the Kraft Dynasty LLC crap, really, is, uh, is what I mean by Yeah, that. no, I mean, I do think he had his back throughout the, the Belichick stuff, uh, meaning Spygate. I do. Uh, but obviously, you know, I mean, he chose Bill over Brady, for God's sakes. I think he had Bill's back on a lot of stuff mm-hmm. to a fault. I mean, I think that was a problem for Robert. 
so I, I don't think he's lying there when he says he had his back. I think they fought hard to, to prevent him from being suspended. I think, I, but I, I don't think he's lying either. I'm just not at all surprised that he's harping on that and making sure everybody hears it. You know? I just like, don't. That's what it is. I don't think that should play well. I, I don't think. I don't think how much he had Bill's back should play well. He, great, Robert. You cost the team a first round pick. Great, Robert. You cost them Tom Brady. Like I don't think that should play that well, to be honest. I'm still trying to figure out like the league compliance part because we talked about this before with Robin Glazer, where she's like, "Here's my job. I pick up the pieces of videotape to comply. We've been fined. I'm throwing these out." Right. The Patriots, again, just so innocent. She's like trying to, she's trying to put them through a shredder machine. <laughs> like, it's not working. You know, I mean, her star began to rise with the organization when she found a hammer to smash the Spygate tapes. That's when Robert Glazer started taking off like a star within the organization. Uh, 617-779-7937. You can jump in on this. We'll get to the number three pick as well. Uh, what are the Patriots doing there? Are they quarterback ready? Uh, This is something that I heard Andy Hart talking about earlier today. We read a tweet from Matt Miller yesterday. I want to get into that with all your feedback next. Get Boston Sports Original on the go. Wherever you go. Just download the Odyssey app. We're right back to it. Jones and Mego on WEEI. Based off right now, I'm of the view that the first three quarterbacks on the draft are capable enough that no matter what happens at pick one and pick two, the Patriots bereft of a quarterback option right now on the roster and needing to plug so many gaps elsewhere that even if you just added like Marvin Harrison Jr. or Roma Dunes and Bleak Neighbors, like they're still so far away that the advantage you're gathering uh, from having one of those players is sort of neutralized that I would just take whoever quarterback three is. That was Field Yates on what the Patriots should do at pick number three. We can get into it. Are they quote-unquote quarterback ready? I heard Andy Hart talking about this on my drive-in earlier today. And I would be on his side. Like, but you're not quarterback. You're not good enough for a a good quarterback, a talented quarterback? That, to me, is nonsense. Uh, We can get into it. Uh, Real quick, Alex Van Pelt is uh, probably wrapping up now, I would imagine. All these coordinators were scheduled to go for about 10 minutes. We played you Gerard Mayo live. Here's a few things that jumped out from Van Pelt as I'm looking at some of the tweets. Uh, He said, I wouldn't say it's going to be the same offense as Cleveland, but similar to how Stefanski ran his offense in Cleveland. Okay. Which echoes what he said on social media the other day. Run first. A quarterback will be part of the offense, which I didn't like hearing at the time. Sounds like he leaned in more on that. Uh, Asked about his ideal quarterback. He wants a smart, tough leader. At quarterback. Uh, what about the football, though? Yeah, what about the talent? What, what about, about the football part? What about the arm? What about the athleticism? A smart, tough leader. Yes, and? <laughs> that doesn't sound like enough. Again, he's not winning me over. Uh, he alludes to being the Patriots' primary offensive play caller. So, like, I, that was Cadlick's translation. I, I That's a tweet from Mike Cadlick alluding. So, I'm not quite sure what he did for that, but... Similar to Covington. Covington seemed to say he's going to be the play caller. He's like, who's got two thumbs and will be calling plays? Van Pelt seemed to allude to the same. Uh, A couple of tweets here from Giardi. He said, right now, everything is on the table. When asked if he could envision Mac Jones as the team's starting quarterback. No! No! And he also said earlier he believes there are good pieces in place on offense. Who? He's taking over. Uh, the offense he's taking over. He also notes everyone gets a clean slate. Later says he's spoken with Mac, among others. So Mac's name came up a few times. Oh, boy. <laughs> now, look, he also said he wants a smart, tough leader. So 
XXX for Mac. I mean, those are not those are not his strong suits. I don't know what are his strong suits, but those ain't them. So if we're going to hold him to what he wants out of a quarterback, Mac Jones has not checked those boxes, but I don't like hearing Mac's name that much out of a guy on offense. Look, at least he gave the answers, right? True. I, I'm, I can't see what the questions were yet, um, but he was asked about Mac, so he says he's talked to Mac and everything's on the table. Like, even if you don't like the answers, at least he gave, he addressed it. He wasn't like, I'm just going to sidestep Mac and yeah, talk I'll, about quarterbacks I'll in general. I'll talk to you guys in four. <laughs> like, whatever soiree they're having over there uh, at, at Gillette Stadium which I'm still unclear on. So, like, they're all, they're going to have, like, another background off-the-record thing after this? I don't even know if it's that. I, I just think that they're doing something where they're rubbing elbows, hanging out. I don't know what it is. I just heard tell of it. That is... I wasn't invited. That is currying favor with the media. Is what they're not is. currying favor with me. No, but, but with beat writers, beat reporters, that's what yeah. they're doing. And, you know, whatever other media is down there, TV and whatnot, they're, try, they're trying to create new relationships to get on the good side of the media down there, which is suspect. I'm not going to say I blame him for doing it, but it's suspect. Uh, 617-779-7937. How about our buddy Coach up in the 603? Go ahead, Coach. Hi. um, Regarding quarterback, under the following scenario, I'm very curious who you, Mego, and Christian would take as a bridge. And the following scenario is that they don't take a quarterback with the third pick, and they clear their current quarterback room right out of Jones and Zappi. And so if you all had a chance to look at the NFL free agent quarterbacks and those who may be um, cut in the upcoming days, I'd like each one of you say, who might be a bridge? Okay, coach, I'll ask Mego. Mego, who's your bridge quarterback? Like if I could have anyone who may be available? Yeah. I would go with Baker. I don't think he's going to be available. Arkan? Cousins? Cousins. I yeah. thought you weren't paying Kirk Cousins. I don't want to pay Kirk Cousins, but if I have to pick one of these guys uh, to be a bridge, then I'd want him. I think you would hold best. your nose and pay him. Yeah. Okay. If bridge. I had, if I had, to, I don't want a bridge quarterback, but if I had to, I'd pick him. Uh, Fields. I would trade a second or third rounder for Fields. I'm not trading three, obviously, but if I really had to, push comes to shove, and I don't like these quarterbacks in the draft. Let's say the Patriots don't. They like Caleb Williams. They hate Drake May. They hate Jaden Daniels. My answer is Fields, and, and I would give up 34 to get him. Uh, I would pay that much to get him if I had to. Uh, meanwhile, we were just discussing Alex Van Pelt on quarterbacks. Here's what he had to say about the QB, uh, the ideal QB for him. Yeah, um, if you're evaluating a, a quarterback Karen. prospect, whether it's this year, next year, or any year, what specifically are you looking for? What traits do you like? What do you want to see? And, and a quarterback you might have to work with going forward. Sure. Um, you know, again, just goes back to um, decision-making Accuracy, um, you know, the fundamentals and mechanics, if the guy's sound. Um, big one, again, is leadership. You know, um, was he a four, three-year captain? You know, why wasn't he a captain? So all that really plays together. Um, the big piece for me is the, the leadership, the toughness, the accuracy, and the decision-making. You, you, could, you could switch them in either way, but the, all four are, are super important. Okay, so we didn't get the full answer. He cares about accuracy. He cares about decision-making. Now, the last one, decision-making, is not something that would yeah. be in Max's favor just, over just, the last and year. And just listen to how he ordered it, too. I mean, what, he can say you can put him in any order when he gets pressed, but the way he answered it is we want a guy who's been a captain for a few years. Can we look this up? Who's been, who's been a captain out of uh, Williams and Jaden Daniels and Drake May? It doesn't mean you have to look it up, Ryan. Uh, uh, Jacob, uh, can somebody look that up? Like, chop you. How many times were these guys captains? And I don't know, like... The, 
I don't know that Caleb Williams sounds like a great leader. And so my guess is Daniels was a captain a bunch. Daniels was a captain. Yeah, that that's my guess. Out of those three, if they're talk if if you're if you're trying to talk up a leader, and maybe they just know that's who's dropping into their lap at three, so they're getting in front of it and talking up a leader and a multi-year captain. And so it's like, oh, well, they can put out into the ether. We want somebody who's been a captain. And they kind of know Jaden Daniels is the guy who's going to drop to them. Maybe that's part of the answer. Drake May has been a captain. Also, I hear Caleb Williams captain. All hey, all how many captains. years? Yeah, right. That's what I mean. Um, I know they were last year. I don't know. Okay, so like maybe they were all captains, and it's, it's irrelevant. But the one, I I think the one, uh, you know, look, I don't, I don't, uh, I, I'm not the uh, Daniel Jeremiah Dane Brugler of the draft, but. I think the one who's regarded as the best leader is Daniels. I hear Alex Van Pelt talk about what he looks for in a quarterback, and I don't think he would be the biggest proponent of team feet. I think he's looking for a guy that he can rein in, make sure he's on schedule, and sit there in the pocket and make good, accurate throws I mean, with, with smart decisions. He doesn't sound like a guy who wants a quarterback Which all that sounds much. like the last guy that was here. No, he doesn't sound... Look, think of where he just came from. They won a bunch of games with four different quarterbacks, and they found Joe Flacco off the scrap heap, and they made the postseason. So he doesn't sound like a guy who even wants a quarterback all that much. Like I, they, they, or at least a quarterback that's all involved. They want to run the football. It's what he told us a couple of weeks ago. They're drafting a tackle, <laughs> so they might draft a quarterback because it's Robert Kraft's call and Jonathan Kraft's call and Robin Glazer's call and not stop their it. call. You stop that. Like Robin Glazer has more input on who they're drafting than Alex Van Pelt. I believe that. I don't believe that. I do. Alex Van Pelt. I think he'll have. A, he'll at least be able to give comments. Robin Glazer was interviewing Alex Van Pelt. Uh huh. Okay, so I think he's gonna. Ha- I think she'll have more input on who they draft. Personnel than him. is different than interviewing the coaches. Okay, we'll see. Uh, her name again. She's she's smashing tape. She's getting uh, elevated. She's gonna run football ops. Uh, is what uh, was written by Seth Wickersham. So, you know, I, I they might have a quarterback forced on them. Is my point, but I don't know that he sounds like somebody who he's like, ooh, yeah, well, let's get the quarterback, and it's all gonna be about the quarterback on offense. That's not the vibe I get. I just don't get the vibe that there's much of a vision that he's bringing in here is my biggest takeaway. He talks about, yeah, you know, it's going to look kind of like what I just did in Cleveland, kind of a Stefanski thing. I uh, want a smart quarterback. It, it is quite vague. Like, I give him credit for straight up answering the Mac stuff and saying, yeah, I've talked to Mac and everything's on the table. But when it comes down to the brass tacks of what kind of offense are you going to run? You call him plays? Like, what kind of quarterback do you want? There's not a whole lot of there there. And it makes me wonder if, you know, they're not even answering if they're going to the combine next week, if they've settled in and said, this is the quarterback we're going for. Or if they're just not going to, they're just playing some kind of game and they're never going to say it. Okay. Uh, 617-779-7937. Some of your takeaways from the coaching staff today. We heard from them for the first time. Are the Patriots quarterback ready is another discussion that's come up. Matt Miller had a tweet yesterday, and I'll paraphrase. He basically said, I can't see putting a quarterback on this roster. They don't have anything. You're going to get the quarterback killed. You're going to ruin his confidence. So I think that's nonsense. Like, I think if the quarterback's there, you better take him. And if you're afraid to roll him out uh, week one, then be afraid to roll him out week one. Bring in a bridge quarterback. That's fine. And uh, you were reading something uh, or you dropped in something from Chad Graff alluding to Jacoby Brissett, who played for Van Pelt in Cleveland. Fine. Bring in a bridge quarterback like that. I'm okay with that. I know Phil Perry's written about that at NBC Sports Boston. So bring in a bridge quarterback. I would play the quarterback week one, but I'm not outraged if you bring in some QB to play for a month or two months. But this idea that you have to pass on a quarterback entirely, like don't draft one because you're not quarterback ready, that's silly. You got so much money to spend in cap space. Like to, the way that people are talking about, yeah, this roster 
is really bad. This is what it'll look like week one. The roster is really bare. But to pretend like you can't go out and do things in free agency, resign some of these guys in particular, and do things in the draft, look, I'm definitely of the mind that you're not going to be in the playoffs next year. And it's, pro- it's going to take bare minimum two years. It might take a little bit longer. Like, if you do things <sighs> right, I think it's going to take two to four years that you're in a real playoff competitive place again. But I don't think that it's a reason not to take a quarterback. 617-779-7937. What are they doing? What should they do? What do you think of Gerard Mayo and Alex Van Pelt? You heard the, the full Gerard Mayo answer. You heard a little bit there from Alex Van Pelt. We'll get back to it. And we'll get back to our big question of the day. It's a good one. It's a doozy. And the uh, the voting's pretty ugly for the Red Sox. Are the Boston Red Sox worthy of your time this season? We'll get back to it with all your feedback next. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 